You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Hi, I'm Saya. In this episode, we'll be looking back at our month of dramas new and old. Join us as we discuss the good, the bad and the appallingly mediocre. This podcast is a project by fans for fans. If you want to be a part of making that dream grow, there are a whole load of ways to help. You can share our episodes on fan sites and social media, you can talk about the podcast to your drama-loving friends, or you can leave a review on iTunes or whichever app or platform you use to listen to us. And if you want to help us keep our lights on, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and Drama Beans, but you can also tweet at us at dramasoverflow, or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And that's it from me. Belt up and enjoy the episode. It's called The Long Yak for a reason. Hi everyone, I'm Saya. I'm Anissa. And I'm Boromo. So how is everybody doing? I'm so tired this week. It's been really busy. Again, I'm super happy to be busy, but it's tiring. I think I just started one new drama and that's it. So yeah, you guys will be doing all the talking on this yak. I can see your notes for Hotel Del Luna, so I don't think so. Okay, so that, that's one drama. <laughs> no, I think we did a good job of like covering different stuff this month because I think we all started something new, um, but it's just not the same things. So you know, that's mm-hmm. that's good variety, even if we can't like debate anything. Yeah, <laughs> I actually consciously because um, you've been recommending that we watch Rookie Historian. I actually consciously thought, you know what? There's so many shows that started this month. I'm going to start a different show, and that's when I started Class of Lies. So I thought variety is the spice of yaks. So let's hope that works out. Even if we can't argue with each other, we can do our one-woman rants. Apparently those are popular. I I feel like it's always me doing the ranting. (laughs) You know, I was just listening to The Last Yak um, uh, last night. And I listened to my Abyss Yak, uh, yak Abyss Rant, and it was, um, I was, I was entertained. <laughs> I was like, startlingly coherent, which I don't know how that happens. That's just Boromir's magic. And two, it was like, girl, she's angry. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun to edit. The only, I, I think I only took out like, maybe two minutes worth and that's it the rest of that stuff i had to keep in because it was just fun to listen to i'm sorry can we tell everyone what you edited last month uh. you edited down five hours <laughs> <laughs> to- <laughs> i felt so bad about that and we all felt so bad just like physically after that so. it was yes we did that was a mistake <laughs> that we will never repeat <laughs> we won't because we've now changed the way that we record them <laughs> We needed a trauma to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to give people an idea why we have five hours of recording, we basically used to record our WhatsApp and Drama Land and Long Yak at the same time. We would decide we'd do it on the same day, and which is why our episodes would sometimes be wildly out of date because it would come out like three weeks after we recorded something. So, um, but hopefully that won't happen again because we have decided to record twice a month now. 
<laughs> and how how late were you up last time, P? Was it like I don't know four o'clock in the morning? I don't even remember. I collapsed right oh after my we God. finished. <laughs> oh, it was so late. I felt so bad. Oh my God. It was so bad. Well, I I sounded sleepy. This is what we do for you, everyone. <laughs> You did, you know. You sounded like you were like dropping off every ten minutes. I think I was napping whenever it was just the two of you talking, and then I, I would Aww. wake up, and then I'd be like really energetic during my segments, like Arshdal Chronicles. Man, I was super passionate about that, and promptly afterwards, and then you yeah, go back to sleep, be dozing. <laughs> so speaking of being efficient with our time. Let's start with the first drama, which is um, rookie historian Gu He Young, and I'm the one who's been watching that. I've been trying to get these two to watch we it, will. but they haven't started it yet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I've only seen the first four episodes, which is all that's out right now. It's four episodes on Netflix, and it's eight episodes on NBC. So the airing schedule in um, Korea is this like you know two episodes back to back that are about half an hour long but on Netflix they're just putting it as like one long episode I'm just gonna sort of introduce the basic setup and tell you what I love about it so basically it's um Gu Young is played by Shin Se-kyung and she's a um a wealthy like she's from a noble class she lives with her older brother she is very studious very smart very outspoken she doesn't um Like, she's taking these bride classes, bride lessons, because her brother wants her to, but she really hates it. Um, They're pretty awful, to be honest. Like, the the teacher in there asks her a really complicated question, and she answers it, like, really fast, because it's based on some kind of mathematical calculation. Um, And then she's like, did you look at the chart? She's like, no, I just figured it out. And then they were like, oh, you, how would you? And then she's like, well, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. And she also doesn't say that, like, I'm really smart, but it's kind of understood. And then, like, the teacher's like, oh, well, your attitude is the problem, even though you got the right answer, because you shouldn't be so full of yourself. And she's like, a woman shouldn't be bad, but she also shouldn't be great. She should just, like... (laughs) So, basically, yeah, it's it's very misogynistic. Um, I mean, you know, like, neo-Confucianism, especially during the Joseon period, was was rough for women. So she's just, you know, like, and her brothers, he loves her, but he's also worried about her because if she doesn't get married soon, I think she's 26, then um, it's going to become an issue for, like, the government to take up, and then they're going to basically send her off to get married to some, like, rando, and it will probably be someone horrible. So he's like, let me just choose somebody nice for you who's going to be, like, you know, kind and who will let you do your things and read your books and, you know, whatever. And she's like... I understand your intentions, but that still seems like you want to choose dog poop or cow poop. So (laughs) she just has a lot of great lines. Like she's just the way and like, she's so good. Like her acting is so good, which I haven't seen her be this good before. And I'm just, I love it. Um, And then there's, you know, her and then there's the crown prince who is like, for some reason, the king hates him and has him confined to this like tiny little corner of the palace. Um, and so all he, he does is just write romance novels under a pen name. And he's like the most famous novelist um, in all of Joseon. And like all the ladies are like swooning and he's, they always like want his books <laughs> as soon as they come out. And so he, but he like obviously can't reveal his identity. So he just has to like secretly be happy about it, but he doesn't get to like enjoy it. Um, but then there's some book called the story of Hodam um, that apparently is 
revealing something, I guess, that the king doesn't want to be revealed. And we don't know what it is, but um, the king actually came to power in like a really bloody coup 20 years ago. Like it's implied that he killed his own father to ascend the throne. Um, So he and his like top advisor are basically set up an office of banned books in order to like include that book without actually letting people know that they don't want that book in particular to be exposed. So they're just like all this foreign literature and frivolous novels. Like they're all bad. They're bad for the moral character of the city. And then they just like, uh, and all this happens in like the first two episodes. I'm not going to spoil anything that happens beyond that. Um, and, and he just like, and they just like the Royal investigators bureau, they just like go and ransack people's homes and they just like burn this huge pile of books. It's very upsetting to watch. Um, so, uh, like uh, amongst all of this they want to the reason for setting up like female historians is that they want to put a spy next to the queen because the queen is the only one who knows about Hodam apparently um and so it's just a ruse um so that's the whole reason like it's not because you know women are suddenly going to be allowed to be equal to men because why would that happen um it's a political ruse and so this is the whole reason why you know like they set up civil service exam for female historians and then like Gu Young eventually ends up taking that exam. And obviously she passes it because it's in the title. Um, and then her adventures once she gets into the palace are like tough to watch because it's a, it's a tough place, especially for women. But um, yeah, I love her. I love the other female historians that go in with her. The crown prince is adorable. No, the baby prince who's played by Chanwu is adorable. The crown prince is Pakimu, and he's, like, <laughs> very handsome. I like him. Um, and there's also... Um, he's not weird. He's very, like, dignified, and but he loves his little brother so much. Like, their relationship is so nice. It's very sweet. I hope it remains sweet. Um, and there's also um, this older historian or he's not that much older but he's like really smart and really he's like second in command in the historians bureau played by um Yijihun. and he's very he's also very nice and he's he seems to be like highly affected by Gu Heiryang but he's definitely not the lead so that's gonna be a heartbreak so yeah it's very good it's very good the music is really good the everything about it is really well done so yeah highly recommend it and it's very funny. I wasn't expecting it to be so funny, but it's actually really I'm funny. I'm excited to start this. It's so wonderful because she's like so nerdy and she's so, um, like the crown prince sneaks out of the palace because he wants to actually see how people are responding to his book and he like gets all excited, but then he sees her reading it <laughs> and she's like dying of boredom. And he's like, why don't you like it? And she's just like basically trashes it to his face. In the most, and it's like so devastating for him. So that was really enjoyable. Like she's such a snob. She's like, oh, it's so trashy, and it's like, you know. But but at the same time, like she 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 still believes in like the yeah the right to not have your book censored by the government. So yeah. What other drama is it that has a prince who writes romance novels? Isn't it like Moonlight Run by Clouds or something? So Moonlight by Cloud, Clouds had a prince who read romance novels and he sought oh, out the heroine's is. romance novels and he would read them secretly. It yeah. does sound like this fun cross between sort of Moonlight Run by Clouds and uh, Sung Yong Kwan Scandal and Splish Splash Love all kind of melded into one. 
I agree, but I think what Anissa said in her um, review uh, for Drama Beans was really true. That I think this this one stands out even more because for once the heroine doesn't have to cross dress to right. you know be like this empowered character whom the uh, hero treats as an equal, and maybe even his superior <laughs> when it comes to literary stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have to cross-dress, but also um, it's one of the only times I've seen a heroine in a saga that's actually from a noble class, because they usually are, um, you know, the second lead that the the parents of the hero want him to marry, and he's, like, not interested in her. Or, you know, like, it's usually that kind of character who's just, like, seems as, like, this spoiled princess yeah. character yeah, who's not yeah, as interesting yeah. as the, the, main, the main actress who's, like, you know, from a very common background. And, and I mean, that... Um, Obviously, there's a lot of um, interesting conflict in a character who comes from a poor background, especially in like a such a class stratified society. But like we've seen that so many times. And it's really interesting how they're really showing with great detail how her status, even though she's privileged, also comes with a lot of limitations. And it's re- also really interesting because she's already coming from a background which is not equal, obviously, because he's the prince. So no one is equal to him. But she is coming from a position of greater power, and yet it's like it's just more complicated, and it's very interesting. It has a lot of layers, and like she still has to deal with the misogyny, but it's like a different type of misogyny where she's. It's all about like who you're going to marry and what kind of yeah. decorum you have to have and what you're allowed to do, and so it's it's very interesting. Because I don't watch a lot of sagyuks. The only other time I can think of a, a, a female character from a noble family being the lead is uh, what was Princess's Man, right? Uh, Sa? Uh, yeah. Also, I would add um, Saimdang, uh, Light's Diary, oh, to that. Oh, right. that's right. I think she was. Character, yeah. And the story was completely different. But a lot of people really trashed it, but I loved it. Mm, I didn't watch that one. Uh, oh, yeah. And isn't also like Seven Day Queen? Because she, she, pr- she marries the king, right? I haven't seen it, yeah. but I heard that was really good. Man, I yeah. hope this drama doesn't have a sad ending. <laughs> that would like. I don't know. Isn't this like a yeah. fusion? It's a fusion saga, and like it's very confident about its tone, and the tone is very. This is another thing that I really like about this is that it's there are serious plots and like people getting murdered because there always are. Like it's a saga, but it doesn't seem like one of those um, very serious, like the fate of the empire the fate of the mm. crown like who's gonna sit on the throne kind of like that stuff is still going on like it's about, more like, of court a- politics and everything yeah but it's more about her journey and like her life and how she's gonna you know like i think i'm getting this like sense a youth, it's about a youth that. saga rather than like a grand epic i guess it's I not like a youth that. saga because she's like she's she's like a fully grown woman with her own mind which i like you know it's not like yeah but she's still going to that like, okay. that arc of establishing yourself which is what the prominent trope for a, a youth drama yeah, is like you're finding yourself it's like a coming of age like fight my way story. had characters who are all in their late 20s that's true right. but that yeah, still qualifies as a youth age. drama mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i guess I, youth drama i always think of like high school like teens and um you know ah, okay. yeah. yeah but i see what you mean I just, I, yeah i had um one point to make um about you know how you said that uh, the fear is that if she doesn't get married in time, then the uh, the court might like appoint a husband to her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of reminds me of uh, what's currently going on in Korea. Uh, they have internationally the lowest fertility rate, and a lot of the blame is going on women who don't want to marry and have children. Of course, I really is. don't think that's the main cause. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, so what the government is doing, and what a lot of uh, communities are doing, is they are clearly um, they are creating those those meetups, the sort of like. Here, socialize. Here, we're gonna, and also the government has done one good thing, which we all approve of, which is like uh, control the work hours. Like you can't work after this. Like you can't do overtime and all of that, which is great. But the idea that the government is working so hard to get people to socialize and date, and therefore go on to marry and have kids—that that being the ultimate goal—it just there are quite a few people who are a bit miffed about this. They're like, government shouldn't be sort of getting into our personal life like this. Um, yeah. And I agree. But from uh, the standpoint of economics, um, governments do have to worry about what happens in 50 years or so. I mean, if, it, if it's a good government, they have to worry about that. And I think that's what Korean government is doing, um, sort of, because they are trying, because in an economic model, if um, the young population is uh, smaller and the older and the middle-aged population are larger, that that's a that's an economic model that's heading towards stagnation. That's true. You know, but I think, yeah, exactly. I think with both Korea and Japan, though, there isn't, there is like um an element of ethno-nationalism to this idea of like trying to increase the birth rate because it's very common. And I mean, this is happening everywhere, but it's very common for like people in more developed countries to have less children and to marry later and even like not to marry at all. And usually what happens is like people immigrate from other countries and that's how the population balance kind of stays, you know, like there's young people coming in. In the case of China, that's a completely artificial thing. China is a special case because of their China is a totally different case. I'm just talking about in Korea and Japan, like it's not that easy to migrate there, although it's becoming easier, but there is this, there is this thing of like, Oh, but we want our own nation to continue procreating. Like we want more like Korean people, you know, like more more like Japanese people, you know, especially Japan is like super hard to get citizenship. If you're not born Japanese, It's, it's way, it's way harder than Korea. So in Korea, you know, there is there's a big rise in sort of uh, foreign brides, like um, women from Thailand That's and right. Vietnam. That's right. There's been a lot of marriage, um, marriage immigration, mm. but there's also been like a backlash against right. that. Because um, they're not they, Korean. These women from Southeast Asia are, have been dealing. And also they come into like rural areas because um, Korean women won't marry people in rural areas because they don't want to live that rural lifestyle a lot of times, um, which means that they come into kind of a really hard life where they have to like work on the farm and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah, th- th- these are all really, really fascinating aspects of, of this. Um, but personally, I am, um, personally, my views on marriage are unconventional in that I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you have to have your own child. Um, I really like the idea of adoption um, for myself. Um, and so, but that again, something that I'm still thinking about. So this does not, um, I've been reading articles that call this a trend, but to me, it sounds more like a social shift. Um, and I completely support the social shift because people should have the freedom to decide that I don't want a life partner, that I don't have to have a fulfilled life to have a child. I can do other things. That that I agree to that on, a, on an individual, personal level, but I also understand a government's um, 
inclination to interfere in such a thing because of economics because of how um economic models work but again you're right mm. it there is a, 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 an aspect of ethno nationality in it there are other ways of increasing your population it just doesn't have to be babies so yeah i'm right. sorry sorry you were saying i was going to say that uh, given korea's work culture um I wonder how much of that is also down to people simply not having the luxury of making the choice to have a family. Um like you we know what happens. I mean they they're working pretty much all the time and then they would go home and and mm. sleep for like 3 hours and then go back to work and it's the same when you're at school. Um it's also so hard to get a job in the first place and it's so expensive to exactly. have children and then and raise to- them. to drop out of that for like any amount of time you'd never be able to get back in. I mean it's difficult for women here. Like in the west it's difficult for you to take a break from your work and then go back. Um so even though it's great to have choice, I feel like maybe there are women who actually would want to to and men who would want to have more of a family life but they just don't have the choice because the society doesn't accommodate you being able to make those well, choices. I think you have to the the job of the government mm. is to like make it easy for people to do these things and to create their families without like forcing it on anybody. You know like that's it's the government is supposed to support you in these things because in the end it's like good for economic development but mm-hmm. they shouldn't be like enforcing marriage and things like that because that's just going to like make people miserable and it's not going to lead yeah. to a good a good outcome for the country. Although it it does seem like with you know trying to change work culture and stuff that that is moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. the change uh, that needs to happen the most maybe. And then people would actually have energy to have actual lives. Yeah. With curbing overtime, I think that's exactly what the Korean government was trying to do. So I yeah. fully you know support yeah. that. And that said, even though the government is taking those initiatives, it's difficult. Um, like you know, cultures are entrenched. People, companies, and uh, workplaces don't change that easily. So they'll, you know, you've heard uh, there are reports of people still doing those things, except now it's off the books because you know you can't leave your yeah, work undone. Yeah, with, with the lights off, right? It's ridiculous. And also, any type of change on a large scale takes a lot of time. Well, I guess speaking of toxic work cultures, it's uh, a natural um what's it called so lead in to to designated survivor. Um oh, uh, I didn't properly say but you've uh, Anisa, you actually uh, wrote a first impressions review for Rookie Historian. I did. Drama yes. that everyone should go and read. Thanks. And yeah. um Barma and I wrote a first impressions kind of post um for designated survivor way back at the beginning of the month um which everyone should go and read as well and we haven't watched any more since so. no but it it's not because we had any problems with it i think both of us uh, enjoyed the drama a lot it's and just it just time. shortage just of no time. time and there were yeah. so many dramas there is no time <laughs> And there were sixteen dramas released last month. Also, I've been like, I've been cheating on K drama all month, so you know, that's that's my um, mea culpa. Yeah. Uh, coming back to Designated Survivor, um, both of us enjoyed it. We again for the f- <laughs> if you guys have the time, yes, please go read It's our post. We'll link it below because we went. <laughs> no it's not it's actually pretty short but we went into uh, details about what we thought about the various um angles used by the drama and it was the one thing i i would like to note uh, here is that the first episode was so well structured 
it sucks you right in and doesn't let you like move off to anything else it's just the way they did it they started with a mundane scene put in something uh, like the, the made the event the the big horrible event happen and then they sort of like skipped back in time to show you the events preceding that and it was it was very effective in this this particular instance so yeah okay so next week i'll probably be watching <laughs> the i think remaining three episodes or that's come out um since then so the next one's yours <laughs> i'm really interested in what you think about this because i i wanted to start it but i just haven't haven't had the brain space So Hotel Del Luna. You know how we were discussing about um Eugene Go might not be the right actor for a a romantic angle like something that has a romance as like one of the primary plots. Mhm. Um turns out that that was not the reason why he, he might be miscast for this role. It's I'm I'm a little disappointed um in the first I think it was around the fourth episode that he he actually gets comfortable with the character. I, th- I, I the fifth episode just aired. I'll watch it after uh, we finish recording. And people might disagree with me, but until about the fourth episode, Eugene Gu was I think the only word for it is overacting. Oh. It's he he's the only actor who made it feel like he was acting like he was faking his reactions and that was such a bummer because the rest of the cast and and how the show has been directed overall is actually really compelling and are you most of all man this girl has matured so much from scarlet heart scarlet heart rio where i was watching her and thinking this girl should not be acting and to this where she <laughs> has been cast perfectly as this 1000 year old immortal who runs this hotel for um the recently dead so that they have a place to live while they sort out their uh, grudges and prepare to go to the afterlife which could be heaven or could be some other place um also if, if you're really good then you get to go to heaven in a limousine <laughs> <laughs> so come on you, you don't get to, to fly i want like why why no wings No, you you have to go to like this really dirty tunnel place, and then you get into a limousine, and the limousine goes through the tunnel. <laughs> as a as as big a metaphor as you can make there, but but yeah, I I really like. Are you here? And she is, she is very compelling. The way they have created her character. For one thing, she has a, a there is a tragic backstory. I suppose some somewhere in the distant past, something she had done which caused her to be cursed. and you know um so something that caused her to run this hotel for a thousand years so was But, she originally uh, human she she still is human she's just immortal okay and like her life is tied to something and um she's unchanging and she's she's just there which frustrates her no end but it's it's that but she's made her peace with it at this point uh when you eugen goes character comes in and things things begin to change for her she's resentful of it because she's been at one place for so long she's gotten used to the idea that it'll never come to an end so that that that's a really interesting angle but i i am actually enjoying this drama a lot i watched the first four episodes and the way they they have created this um ayu's character is They have made her this very interesting person to begin with. You know how you sometimes have these compelling characters who start off as like just this 
they're just normal and then they ha- something happens to them and then they become great mm. are you in her normal human life was um, okay, her name was manol uh, manol in her normal human life was pretty incredible to begin with and she was overconfident and she was like um she was bossy and she, and she was reckless and and a risk taker and uh, so she would like dress up uh, she was she was she was part of a gang of thieves um or wow. sort and she had a, a brotherhood that she sounds had like a drama of its own it, it does right <laughs> but the the great thing is that while it surprised some of the characters in her past like in in the flashbacks that we see nobody really questions it because she's just she has such swagger that you just accept it that yeah this makes total sense that she dresses up like a guy and uh, goes robbing carriages this makes sense of course she does so uh that the the flashbacks are are, are really um uh, it, it they're fun to watch and also again you know just interesting because you're trying you're figuring out in, in bits and pieces what's happened in her past and then you have the current um manol who's this she spends recklessly she's a spendthrift she is uh, like one thing i really like about the mythology of of this this drama is that this hotel might be for spirits but it needs human money to run so what one of the side gigs that manol has is to sort of like um, not blackmail exactly but to make deals with humans like i'll exorcise your daughter of the ghost that's possessed her type of thing but you give me this much money for that so and and so you know she keeps getting rich and then again she buys a new car so suddenly she has no more money and a lot of debt so that's yeah. the situation that Eugene Goo's character comes into and he does not want to be a manager in this hotel he has been he keeps saying i have an mba from harvard i don't um want to work here there is like nobody here there is just ghosts i want to go back and working in like the biggest hotel in seoul where i just got a position but he is obligated to her something happened in the past that sort of um, made him owe her so eventually he agrees to be her manager but in his head it's a temporary thing and because his coming portends changes in the hotel the hotel staff are not quite happy with him coming in so there are you know lots of conflicts but man seriously as much as i love this drama and the mystery and and the 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 supernatural side of it and how cool the running of the hotel is and and they have uh, episodal um stories like a ghost uh, character will you, they basically figure out because all of these ghost uh, guests are there uh, to figure out their grudges mm. before going to the afterlife right so the one of the tasks just like a story of the week kind of like a story of. of the week and sometimes you think something's been resolved and they bring it back to episodes later which is also pretty cool because if, like as manol has proved over and over again something might appear one way at first and then it can be something else completely later on and she is very cynical and she she's weirdly suited to play somebody with ancient wisdom who's also like mad about cars and fashion <laughs> it's you know it's interesting that these are the roles that people love ayun because like her role in mayajashi um her role in producers both of those roles were also these kind of cynical jaded sort of yeah ugly, there's something about her face like she has got such an such an impish like um innocent face but when you see cynicism and um 
a really clever mind behind those eyes that's that has an impact and she does it really well yeah and <laughs> my god her charisma this, this girl at least has at least five wardrobe changes every episode and they are all like amazing on her like i feel like, like i'm getting this yuena vibe from her yuena and goblin that is yeah um which is slightly mysterious this, yeah yes actually that's so that's maybe not the a bad analogy yes exactly <laughs> it's called a darker because of course she's got like a tragic past and um people have died because of her uh so she she has this huge burden but she doesn't address that instead she ignores it and she lives in the moment because for her the moment is all there is no point in oh and well, another thing that you really like is that they show different eras where she's been running the hotel like during the korean wars when the hotel was like basically this one shack and she is standing outside it looking really grimy with like this one lantern on waiting for the ghosts but like there was no money of course there was no money the economy was in really bad shape and then you have other eras where you know she has more money and she looks almost regal it just it's very it's it's really nice how they have done that it it shows the passage of time but she's the only constant so yeah but um you're making me really want to watch it but i also like don't trust the hong sisters even <laughs> one tiny bit anymore so like do you feel like the story has an idea of like where it's going and what it wants so to do so far yes i it looks like they've got a pretty good uh, grip on where the story is headed um like i said initially yujin go was the only one disappointing me because the problem with him was that he's such a good dramatic actor i loved him in crown clown but the you know there there were these moments when initially um when manol met yujin goo's character and she asked him to be the manager and he's like nope and uh was like walking away she gave him the gift of seeing ghosts gift cuz you know whatever and um so he started seeing ghosts a normal human would be terrified and supposedly so was yujin goo's character only it didn't he um he looked like he was acting terrified you know and he, all of his reactions uh. in most of these scenes were very they they had these slight seconds of delay that really stood out to me and annoyed the hell out of me because i kept feeling that a more natural actor would would really milk this and um, and an actor that i think would have been particularly good in this role hold on let me see if i can find him oh uh, was um ej woke who was playing solji hwan in search www the actor character guy that, uh, that yes he's he's amazing he so his expressions good. are so beautiful i i kept thinking that a actor like him would would milk this character whereas it, it seems wasted on yujin go i mean again he got much better around the fourth episode once he accepted the managerial position and he was going up against ayu's character and she would say something and he would counter it by quoting something she had said before things like that and and it was fun and he's got an adorable smile so of course when he smiles everything is forgiven but still i can't help but think that the character is wasted on this particular actor do you think he might just be overworked because he's been mm. sort of non-stop working for like 2 hey, years that's hey that's completely possible i haven't watched absolute boyfriend i don't know how how he was in that one but haven't you noticed that uh, with yujin go he he does intense scenes so well but he seems to have difficulty relaxing i mean when i think back on circle 
he seemed very new to me like he was not uh, he was fantastic in circle i thought he he was fantastic in circle but, but he was kind of role but, exactly i don't think he's very comfortable doing relaxed roles where he has to act normal and he's mm. not chased by some horrible guilt or secret or something from his past mm. it's just <laughs> i i don't know i i i oh. yeah this where it's not Before like high on, drama can you tell me mm. about the cameos yeah. Okay so oh but I don't okay, want to tell me about Asian Gay. I don't want to know who they are so I'm going to So Asian Gay's ca- cameo was uh, hilarious but all too short is all I'm going to say. Uh, I want to know but I don't want to know. <laughs> but you know I love that um Asian Gay always turns up when Ayu calls him. It's just it's so fun cuz they uh, co-starred in um Scarlet Heart of course. Um and then they went on to Oh my gosh, please watch the Yeah, please watch the episode of Knowing Brothers where they guest together and it's like he is so funny and weird and like they they're so obviously so close and their relationship is so cute. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you can watch it on Netflix, right? You said? Yes, it's on Netflix. Okay. It's a Netflix on under the name uh Men on a Mission. Okay, so that's that's my that's my update on Hotel de Luna for now. I will keep watching it cuz this is exactly my catnip, so I will let you guys know in next month's episode how things are. I actually kind of want to watch it now and maybe I'll regret it because the Hong sisters have done me wrong. Because my recommendations always fall flat. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. Maybe I shouldn't. You all <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have uh, what is it? complimented her too soon. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see if you pass next month. I can't believe my my fate and my reputation depends on the Hong sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily the hands you want them in. Okay, next up is Level Up. Yeah, so speaking of like recommendations that you made to me, <laughs> um this stars the same person who was in I picked up a celebrity on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Sung Hoon. And he's so his new his new drama is called Level Up and I think I remember saying that I was excited for this last month. Mm-hmm. Um so I ended up I was like kind of unsure if I would start it and then like I ended up recapping the first episode and I'm so glad that I did start it because um it's so funny and like fun and it's not very it's not a heavy drama or like with a lot of substance but it still carries enough weight that like you know it feels like there's emotional stakes um so the basic setup is uh i don't know what his exact position is but anyway he works for this company that basically rescues companies that are going bankrupt and like revives them mm-hmm. and he's got 100% success rate he's really full of himself because he's so good at his job um and so he goes and he just like becomes the ceo of every new company sort of brings it back to life and then he moves on he gets paid a buttload of money um of course and that's just what he does. And so the heroine who is played by Han Boram, her name is Yeonhwa. She is working as a game developer for this game development company that's gone bankrupt. And she's also um they made some there was some documentary of the about the company when it was still like, you know, the number one most desired place to work because they have like a hotel chef making them food and they have like a swimming pool on on their Ooh. in their building and like the the company benefits were like so amazing and it was 
had this like fun work culture where everybody's like working while having fun, you know, like very much like that tech company that we all sort of have that idealized vision of like their campus, and, but in a smaller scale, mm. but she's, but like the CEO had this idea that she would be like eating a lot and just enjoying the, the, um, the restaurant in the, in the building so much. And so she, there's this like clip of her in there where she's like, she's got this huge pile of food and then she's like licking honey from something. And so that becomes like viral. And like right after the video came out, um, there's profits started dropping. Um, but in the video, he's like, Oh, you're eating so much. So you should. And she's like, Oh, I'll double the profits. So then like the shareholders just like latch on to her as a, as a target for their anger. And so basically oh, no. like since then it's been like three years and wherever she goes, they've been like harassing her. And, you know, like even she goes to Busan to like clean up something that they're no longer going to be able to do because they're bankrupt. And like they fought, they like threaten her and they like find out her personal phone number and they start calling her and be like, Oh, are you going on vacation with our money? Like, what do you, so it's like really horrible, you know, like she gets stalked regularly by these people. So like things are kind of rough for her, but she loves the company, I guess. So she's like going to stay, even though a lot of people leave when they find out that it's, you know, becoming bankrupt and, somebody else is going to come and take over. So he comes and takes over and they have like multiple bad encounters before she finds out that he's a new CEO because like, because he knows the name of her company and he shows up at like this comp, this like company industry um, event. She thinks that she doesn't realize that he's a new CEO and she just thinks that he's like another one of the shareholders who's like stalking her. Um, so they start out on really bad terms and then like he comes in and they slowly spend more time together and she's goes from thinking he's horrible to thinking he's like kind of okay. Um, but then he also has this storyline with like his younger stepbrother who he ends up taking in, even though they hate each other. And that's, so it's a nice story and it has a lot of interesting things going on. Um, I think what I like most about it is how funny it is. It's more, it's a rom-com, but it's leaning much more heavily on the comedy than the romance. Like so far it's halfway through its run, which is 12 episodes. We're six episodes in and it's just really funny. Like Sangon is playing his character with this really, like he has this particular, like very pompous and extremely formal way of speaking. And like even the tone of his, it's just so funny. It's so funny. And he's so, um, like he has this particular type of like self-imposed, like dignified way of carrying himself that is when, the more you get to know him, the more you realize like, it's just his way of protecting his heart. So he has like this very particular way of doing things. It's because like he doesn't want to let anyone in, basically. And so as you see him, like people are slowly starting to like pierce his armor, and he like doesn't know what to do, and it's like he can't handle. And like especially the heroine, then he also like his younger stepbrother, and um, the second lead also like he's a really squishy, marshmallowy type of guy that comes to work at the company. So he's like, doesn't know how to handle all this emotion that he's suddenly feeling for people. And it's, it's really cute. It's funny. So yeah, I can't wait for him to like figure out that he might have feelings for, for the heroine and be like, oh my oh, God. Oh, it really does sound very cute. <laughs> yeah. And he's honest to a fault. So like, if he thinks that he's done something wrong, he like immediately apologizes. He doesn't have, like, he has a lot of pride, but he also has like oh, principles. And so at first you think he's an a-hole. And, like, because he's, like, so, like, he drives his employees so hard. But then he realized, like, he drives himself even harder. And he never expects, like, he's not unkind. He's just, like, always expecting excellence. So, like, it's a different type of 
you know, mean CEO yeah. character that he, and he's just doing such a good job. Like he has such a great charismatic screen presence that um, this has totally wiped out my bad memories <laughs> of that other show. But it ends up just creating a lot of really funny situations because like he's not actually trying to be a jerk, but the other person's like, why are you <laughs> acting like this to me? You know, like somebody will be like, oh, wow, you're so smart. And he's like, I know. And I mean, he is. But it's not socially acceptable to, to say that in a situation where, like, somebody's crazy. You're supposed to be like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm just, you know, like, but it doesn't do false humility. So when he's, like, good at something, he's just like, yeah, I'm good at it. I, yeah, I'm handsome, you know. I actually would love it. I would love it if it was autism or, like, Asperger's, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think that there that would be an interesting place for K-drama to go. They're not doing that, though. It's just, it's just... That he didn't get any parenting and he was alone his whole, and he just grew up alone and his mom died. Yeah. So there's a whole thing with his parents, but it's not like such a heavy storyline that it drags the rest of the drama down. It's just like, oh, here's his character motivation. That's why he's like this kind of thing. But there's only 12 episodes. So that's like, you know, not enough time to drag things down, hopefully. And it's the ideal length for a rom-com. So I'm very, you know me, I always say that. So I just, and I also want, the last thing I want to say is that I love how he's unafraid to look silly on camera um, and to make himself look ridiculous, like Sung Hoon is. And usually when an actor is this good looking, they're usually very aware of like how good or not they're looking and they try, and they don't, couldn't like go that far for comedy, but he's like 100% in. Like he, his, his physical, like he's very tall, right? And like broad and he uses his body in like really funny ways like the physical comedy that he achieves just by like moving his body and like the expressions on his face are just so great so it's not just his dialogue but it's just his whole his whole performance i'm loving it and hanborum is really good, good too like she's not she's more reacting but she's but she's like she's really good i like her it's my first time seeing her in anything stop putting new stuff on my list i don't have time but hey it's a rom-com so it's on my list <laughs> can't help it yeah and it's short so i'm hoping that like it'll keep up the pace and it'll have a satisfying ending yeah i mean you've both basically convinced me to watch the last two dramas you've talked about (laughs) (laughs) all right so now it's your turn to convince us the thing is my genre is so out there it's probably not going to convince you (laughs) because i like these weird things that are just not your cup of tea (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't handle the, it's not that I dislike thrillers, I just can't handle the extra stress right now. So yeah, go for it. That's that's very fair. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to convert you, I'm just going to tell you how much I'm enjoying it. <laughs> but then you really liked Forest of Secrets, and um, Watcher, which is um, one of last month's, this month's, new dramas, um, the one with uh, Hansa Q, um, what's her names? Oh gosh, I've forgotten everyone in it. Um, Kim Hyun Joo and So Young Jun. Um, it's, it reminds me a lot of Forest of Secrets. You know, it's like kind of like legal noir and it's all dense and detailed mm. and, and complex. And you know the way that it do- has this sort of slow unfolding of its story? Like it really takes time to build its world and construct all of those layers and, you know, slip all your secrets into each layer and then slowly peel them away. So I don't know, maybe it would be something you could try, but um, it is um, 
the thing with these dense dramas is that they require a lot, like they demand a lot of attention, and you look away for a second and you've missed twenty things. Um, that does sound like poorest of secrets. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say this is probably a drama best marathoned because um, I watched I think the first four episodes sort of in one go, Um, and then I I watched no the first five episodes in one go, and then um, like a a week passed between five and six, and I had to actually go back and rewatch all of five because I was missing so much when I started watching six. I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what's going on. Everything is extremely complex for like at a very minute level. So yeah, miss a moment, miss 20 things. I went back and rewatched. So it is, it's quite difficult to follow in that sense, but it's very rewarding because all of the stuff matters. Everything matters. Um, and you know, this is Hansaku's comeback since um, Romantic Doctor Teacher Kim, which did you guys watch that? I did not, but I do really like Hansaku. Um, he was amazing in True Deep Roots. Oh, yeah, that's on my list. So he was amazing in, in um, Romantic, Do- uh, Romantic Doctor Teacher Kim. It's such a mouthful. I think they call it Romantic Doctor Kim on Vicky. Um, so, and the last time I saw um, Kim Hyunju was in, um, what's it called? Fantastic, which was a cancer drama with uh, Joo Sang-ok, and her character was just offensively stupid, so I love seeing her in this. Um, so, like, Han Seok-kyu, he he's, like, you know, darkly magnetic, but I actually think that her character really just steals everything. Um, and she's unpredictable in a way that is, like, deeply intriguing. Um like, you know what drives her, and, like, she's got this um, history where something really bad happened to her. Um, she was tortured. Um, so she's driven by this um, need to find out who did that to her. Um, and she's this, like, almost intoxicating mix of, like, clever and pragmatic and vulnerable, and maybe a little bit broken. Um, and, you know, that's my favorite type of heroine. So it's just, like... Like she knows what she's doing at all times, and but but the stuff that she's doing is really like it's the kind of stuff you reserve for um, anti male anti heroes. I think like you know she she throws the dice, makes plays, she orchestrates these multi layered plans that look like double crosses and they turn out to be a triple cross. Um, oh my gosh! You know, she's many- I want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> also, she, I love she's- Kim Yanju, so you're making me like. I think so check it out. It. You are gonna like this is Kim Hyun Joo as I've never seen her, and it's you know when women get a little bit older and they have more choices and interesting roles because she I feel like maybe she's crossed that line where she the, the only choices she has won't be rom com heroines, and she gets to do these kind of sort of dark roles. I mean she's many things, um, and simple is not one of them. This is just like I love her in this great. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to wait until this is over and then just watch the whole thing. Yeah, actually, yeah, that might be the best way to enjoy everything. Um, and like Han Suk-kyu, Seung-jun, um, Kim Yeon-ju, all of them, you know, um, when we were previewing this last month and we were like, oh, you know, there's some kind of tragic backstory that connects all three, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it didn't make a lot of sense. But um, when you actually find out, uh, this is not a spoiler, so I'm just going to tell you what the tragic backstory is. Uh, so Lung Jun's uh, mum was murdered by uh, his dad, um, and he witnessed that. 
and uh, Hansa Kyu is the detective who arrested him, and the uh, Sogang Jun's dad was um, his uh, Hansa Kyu's sombe, and his very like cherished and beloved sombe, and. He is. He was also his arresting officer at that point, and um, Kim Hyunju was the prosecutor in that case. So this is how they're connected. Like it's not even a good connection. Um, mm. So, yeah. But the characters are just—they're so interesting. They're all of them are like really stubborn and um, persistent, like in dogged kind of way, and they're really sharp, and they have this sort of disregard for power. Which makes what they do more interesting because they're not tied down by the usual, you know, fear of authority, and they're equally matched. Um, and it just it makes it so interesting because you have no idea what's going to happen next. You don't know who's doing what play. You don't know whether what you're seeing is what's really happening or if it's part of another thing, which you will later find out, and and then something else will happen which will sort of overturn that thing. It's it's all yeah, it's it's pretty. Exciting, and I I would say it can probably verge on a little too complex, especially if you do let time lapse between you watching one episode and the next. Um, and why doesn't K drama have an active like subreddit type of thing for these shows? Because like they are invaluable. I'm like constant like for like continuum and stuff. I'm constantly going in for the episode discussions, and because this show doesn't have recaps, it's really difficult to follow mm. everything. So, yeah, yeah I, I think I was I was able to follow Forest of Secrets week to week because I was recapping because you're it. Recapping, so yeah. I, I would remember, yeah, I would remember all the details for that reason. But it seems similarly dense where, like, I think if I was watching Forest of Secrets just on its own, I would just marathon it because otherwise you wouldn't be able to keep up with yeah. what's going on. Week I mean, week. I feel like there are shows that need recaps and this is this is one of them. But then it, I could also see that it would be really laborious and difficult to do. So... Yeah, that was the most difficult recapping experience <laughs> yeah. of my life. I can imagine. But it was very rewarding, but it was, like, so hard. <laughs> yeah. So, one more thing. Um, one more thing I'm not quite sure about. So, of course, in a show like this, I feel like, you know, um, moral gray areas are obligatory. Of course, you have to go there. Um, and, like, Hansakyu's character is at this quite uh, interesting like fascinating place where he's beginning to show a kind of almost demonic side to himself and like I've begun calling him the gum chewing demon because he's always chewing gum as well which is like a contrast like a, a almost thug-like behavior in a contrast to his sort of like suited up um straight detective um and it's like it's as exciting as it is disturbing but I really have a problem with like um authority flouting the law to do what they want in order to get their man um you know stuff like illegal interrogations mm. use of um force or violence against suspects illegally obtaining evidence um and but that, is it is it like portrayed as something wrong that he's doing or is the drama actually justifying him and make and portraying that as something noble like or drama, like not noble but like justifiable it's not quite making that commentary it's really leaving you to make your own conclusions which is, is it's a really interesting way to to present it as well um and but like as a viewer you do have natural reactions of like you know if if you're pinning down the bad guy you have that reaction of yay and then you stop for a moment and you think is it though because like hmm. you know um 
you should, like due process exists for a reason and you know is it okay to catch a bad guy who you know as a viewer you know for, for sure that he's a bad guy um but you know any means necessary is that okay but at the same time you kind of can't argue with it because it's effective but i mean there were like one or two instances okay like maybe three like i'm literally counting three of them but i feel like it might just have moved on from that into the mind games um and I feel this character is the best when he's like out psyching his opponent and and doing the mind games thing. Like as grey as all of those tactics are, I think at least the mind games aren't illegal. Um, but yeah, I just mm. I, I think you know, given who we are and and the kind of world that we're talking in about, and the experiences though, that we've had. Was you talking about real life? The only reason we can't argue yeah, real about. Life. Uh, argue against this in dramas and movies is because in dramas and movies the bad are starkly bad the good are starkly good even when there is nuance the nuance is also polarized whereas in real life when you start going outside due process to um pin down the villain it that 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 villain is not just the villain the, the usually the do, the guy has other aspects as well there are other rights that might have been violated um while catching him other people who whose rights might be violated because you're trying to catch this one person there are so many things there are so many consequences that are simply not shown in a drama or film where due process doesn't matter because catching the bad guy gives us a sense of satisfaction and that's what the drama you know the story is going justice for justice and yeah exactly yeah the vigilante so, justice absolutely. I get the thing is I get it from v- vigilante justice is very satisfying and we all mm. know about situations where we hear about things and we we would be tempted to take things in our into our own hands if laws didn't if we hadn't seen it in action in real life and harming exactly. real people like in these same ways like if you didn't have those personal associations with it you wouldn't have to think twice about it because it's presented in a very is it's presented in a black and white way this is how we catch the bad guys so it's okay yeah i know like batman is great as a character on tv and in movies but like we would not want batman to live yeah, in our city yeah and also gotham is this Gotham has to be a sewer for Batman to be justified. If Gotham was a normal city, right, the Batman would not belong in the city. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. We went to a diff. Uh, yeah, never mind. Comic books coming back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's a legitimate point. Yeah. What, what I was going to say is, I do like I completely get it from a storytelling point of view, and I think um, it does work, but it perhaps does not work for me personally, and maybe it shouldn't work. I don't know. No, actually, no, it can work, but you have to the the drama has to not be saying this is okay. So, and, yeah. and the drama is not saying it's okay. Yeah, and it also depends on whether the drama is putting itself in the universe of like a superhero movie or a um, an action movie or one of those other movies where like it's so clear that this is not actual reality um, versus some whereas versus like a piece of entertainment that is saying like oh we're trying to represent the real world and we're talking about real oh, world issues and then if you're making a commentary about real world issues and then you're justifying things like 
you know, a lack of due process and illegally detaining people without their rights, then it becomes a little bit more murky. Which is why I find police procedurals like crime shows um, uh, equal parts compelling and disturbing mm. because they do do away with due, due process so many times. The protagonist to get the bad guy would just uh, I agree. use trickery that, sh- that is out and out illegal. They, they would uh, use negos, uh, uh, interrogation uh, uh, tactics that, that are illegal, that, that should never be used. And, but that is shown as heroic because they, they got, they got him, the guy, yeah. you know? So, yeah. yeah. Although yeah. I completely forgot to actually talk about the premise of the drama. So can I just quickly uh, say that? <laughs> so what you've got is, um, yeah, Hamza Kyu is this veteran uh, detective who is hated by all of his colleagues because he's so straight that he would report his own mother for an infraction, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, at the outset of the drama, um, he's in this position where uh, he... I th- Wait, I can't, it's been a while, so I can't remember where he started off. But basically, the the first episode ends with them forming a new um, inspect, uh, internal affairs division, which he is in charge of for rooting out corruption within the police. Um, and just anywhere. Um, and of course, he's kind of... Everyone would view him with suspicion because they know that he's the guy who arrested his uh, favorite, you know, Hyung. Um, and that he, if he didn't hesitate to do that, he would not hesitate to do anything else. So nobody likes him. He has no friends, but he does have a, uh, a seat as superior. His boss is totally on his side. Um, so his boss backs him up, and um, he's there's also like um, the police chief backs them up as well because she she's really fun. So she's. Um, uh, um, five years from retiring and she's ambitious and she's got this huge following on social media so she like she likes to make um, <laughs> wait like she she likes to keep her followers uh, invested in her so anything that makes her look good is good and doing away with police corruption definitely will make her look good um, so th- she's behind it for her own reasons but it makes it really interesting Um so even though he doesn't have actual um, support within the force itself, he does have enough backing that he he has the power to do his job. And um, the, the like the f- opening episodes are about how the team comes together. Like Sogunjun is originally um, a traffic um, cop, and he gets caught up in this case, which ends up being linked to a corrupt police guy that Hansaku's been after for ages so I, that's the long story is that he's trying to to pin down this this one police guy for all the stuff he's done um but you know he doesn't have evidence and he needs something that will definitively put this guy away um and so yeah people have these like interlinking histories um and Kim Hyunjo's character who quit being a prosecutor after her torture uh, incident um, is brought in as a consultant for this new team, which is, you know, it's it's a very ambitious team. They've got like three levels below ground. Their office is a, an old converted gym, three levels below ground. So it's not like, you know, there's no money in their operation. They're just like three people in an old gym. Um, it's 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 mm. interesting. I've, I'm finding it probably one of the better one of the better shows that I've started recently, but it is difficult. So be prepared to take notes. 
go back and rewatch. And it's worth actually going back and rewatching. It's not like it doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time. Like sometimes you're like, it would annoy me to want to, to, to need to go back and rewatch. But with this, I feel like I'm picking more up with the rewatch because I noticed things I hadn't noticed before. Ah, so that was long. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. So the next so one, Saya. Is also me. Yeah. <laughs> also dark, thrillery, legal stuff. <laughs> so, what you chose to watch instead of rookie historian i wanted to bring variety to the yak that was your intention that's why you did it okay <laughs> look i'm sure uh-huh. <laughs> i'm sure we have listeners who this happens to be your pet genre <laughs> well you know i feel sometimes or often i feel mm. inadequate for like if there are thriller junkies out there because I'm like enjoying this at a very sort of surface level whereas other people are more like I don't know they they can get deep into these things where I'm just like am I thrilled yes (laughs) and then it stops but I feel like that brings value to our podcast because you're the most you're the only one who really talks about dramas like this in general so otherwise this would be like 100% rom-com but you know if you if you were watching this you'd bring much more to the conversation whereas I'm like yeah it's thrilling it's you're the only one who thinks do you do you never listen to our yags and how how layered your criticism usually is Wow, says the woman who has like the most uh, analytical and like complex and interesting things to say about that. That's Saya, right? We're talking about Saya. I don't recall being okay. like that. <laughs> yes, Saya, yes. I'm talking about Saya, yes. <laughs> no, no. No offense that, to you. I was very my... confused because it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I was also confused because I'm like, well, that's not me either. Oh, pa. <laughs> oh, be quiet. <laughs> Give us your thoughts on Class so, of Lives Class now. Class of Lives is cool. Um, so, uh, Yoon Kyun Sang is the uh, titular Mr. Oh, this is this has an alt. Uh, its original name is uh, Mr. Kiganje, which is like translates to Mr. Temporary. So on Vicky, um, its title is Mr. Temporary. Its official English title is Class of Lies, um, which you know um, I actually think is a better title, which is why I'm sticking to this one. <laughs> um, so Yun Kyunzang is a lawyer in this, and he's this hotshot. Uh, he's like, like a cocky, glib lawyer, and he has no compunctions about using the law to be unethical. And I, I feel that that makes him a bit of a scamp as a lawyer. Um, and one of the characters uh, described him as a con man with a lawyer's license, which I feel is extremely accurate. Um, but it all goes downhill from there. Um, he's given a, a, a case by his boss um, to handle off the books, and it's about it's an attempted murder of a uh, young uh, uh, woman, a high schooler. Um, and it, like the whole case gets stitched up between the higher-ups and the prosecution and the defense, and it ends up leaving Yun Kyun-sang to become a patsy for this richy, rich law firm um, overlords um, in a clean-up case that's just gone wrong, um, which is why they assigned it to him in the first place and why it's like all off the books. Um, so if it had worked out, they get off, and if it doesn't work out, they've got someone to to take the fall. So, what ha- like what's interesting about this is it's not surprising, and it's not a spoiler, I think, since you saw it coming anyway. But um, 
he has, of course, he has no um, back uh, backing, and he has no illustrious parentage. Um, he's, you know, he grew up in an orphanage, and he clawed his way to the top by like working hard. Um, he was a law school ace, um, and all of that. So he's built this really great life, and all of that comes crashing down with this, which is it's um, again a great commentary about power and where it comes from mm. um because it's like no matter how high you go it still matters where you came from um and i i i found that thread like it's it's an actual narrative thread throughout the story so it's only on four episodes at the moment um but it's like this underrunning uh, commentary throughout the whole thing um so yeah he uh ends up just basically losing everything um and he crashes at uh, his hacker friend's house um and ends up um forging a teaching certificate so that he can um work in the school where this thing happened because um things have been niggling at him about the case and he realized that there was a stitch up he didn't but he realized it too late um not soon enough so now he's like, you know, he he's going to go and figure out why it all went wrong, what really happened, and see if he can um, sort of pin down the real bad guys and and get his life back. Mm. Um, so that like it's really interesting, also like the way the the show transitions from like this from you know the the courtroom to the classroom. It's like a straight up legal thriller for two episodes and then it becomes this school you know drama slash melodrama um but also it never quite stops being that legal thriller um and some that like that acts to sort of raise the stakes and give it uh, more urgency um so now that we're in the school stage it, it's uh the school is crazy, man. <laughs> this is think of all of those those elite private high schools where they're like decadent and the kids have more money and power than they know what to do with. Um, uh, like you know, I think there's this there's a group there's of course that ruling group of kids there's like four or five of them and um just like. The last drama I watched with with this kind of setting was Beautiful World. Um, and I find it interesting that like there's this difference between... That was a JTBC drama, this is an OCN drama. Um, and I've just begun to sort of notice that there's a sort of a qualitative difference in, in the storytelling, or in the type of story that they tell, um, depending on on the channel. Um, like the JTBC ones tend to go for these um, emotional melodrama type of stories, whereas the OCN ones, they um, go for like the politics of of people, like what happens between people and why, and all of the things that they do, but on a very uh, what is it called? Um, uh, what is that word? Cerebral level, rather than the emotional one. So, like, I feel like with the JTBC dramas, mm. they go for the heart, whereas the OCN dramas kind of go for the head. Um, but yeah. The, Does it feel like more of a thriller and less of a school like drama to you? It feels like both of them at the same time. It's really interesting. I wouldn't say it's more than more one than the other. 
because like that politics is always ongoing and that gives it that legal thriller feel especially because you've got the the story the kids um storyline sort of co-occupying like one does not overshadow the other they're quite well balanced in in the way that they they meet um so uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say... Oh yeah, so this school is crazy. Um, ha- just pretty early on you see the scene of the kids um, in this sort of richly decorated kind of s- suite with like, you know, chaise longs and a, an old grand piano and like antiques and a chandelier and and you're like where is this how are they transitioning from the classroom to this like den of decadence and then you suddenly realize like four <laughs> episodes and this is actually one of the classrooms that they've converted into this place it's crazy these kids are crazy they have too much money um so it's like a it's school, like the but mention it's in a mansion. School. They have converted an actual oh. classroom into a, a place for their leisure, and it's where they go between classes. This is how elite oh. they are. <laughs> it really is well. Wow. And okay. I finally realized what it was when, like, because I was, I was just trying to figure out the whole time, where is this place? Where is this place? And then you know the sliding door, the the classroom door, and the windows. I finally noticed the uh, like. I got to see the door and then I noticed the windows and the shape of the room and I was like oh are you actually kidding me <laughs> this is a classroom oh that's that a nice like the inside though. of an extremely rich person's house this is crazy yeah but yeah it is um uh, the whole thing is about power and it's about the abuse of power um and the the murder the the attempted murder that it originally starts with is um i feel like a not very thinly veiled parallel to you know stuff that's been going on in the in the news with like traffic sex trafficking of minors um selling services to rich mm. old men and oh, okay. so it's it is dark um it's not sort of uh, unbearably heavy it it doesn't get as See, this is the thing with like the JTBC dramas is that they make them emotionally almost um, impossible to watch because they're really pa- like painful in that way. Whereas with this one, you're focused more on mm. um, the plot rather than the, the feelings. It's not that the feelings aren't there; it's that it just it's taking a different direction with its storytelling. Do you, I? I don't know if you guys have enough. Um, uh, what is it called? Experience or repertoire in? in OCN versus JTBC thrillers, but do you have any opinion on that? I haven't actually watched anything from OCN, so I trust you, though. I feel like you're the one out of the three of us that has, like, the most experience and authority to differentiate between thrillers from different networks. All right, should we move on to um, the thing that is yeah. making me the most happy right now? Yeah. Which is... Well, happy slash that because it's over. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. I am sad it's over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you still well, you have know, it to look the same. To. When things are live and everyone's enjoying it together, it's not the same. Like, I feel like I missed out and there's only so much time, but I wish I had been able to watch this with you guys. It would have been pretty incredible. It just, the last, the final episode was uh, one hour, 24 minutes long. And I was watching it and I was like, 
how can this possibly be the last episode this can't be the last episode it didn't feel like an ending it felt like like things were still going on that we could absolutely have 10 more episodes in this show like the 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 personal arcs were coming to uh, conventional endings but also and, and of course a larger arc of um how internet search uh, uh, portals are run that was also coming to an ending but i could just see these people have like their day to day dramas every day and this would still be fun it's i would have been happy this had been a 50 episode drama <laughs> for what i mean but honestly like i kind of um i agree that the story can definitely continue but i think it's cool to end it here and then have like i usually don't say this but i would love to have a second season and and so instead of continuing from this same place like wait a year and see like where the conversation is about like search engines and like and then it would be able to sort of keep up with what's actually happening and you know so for example in this one they talked about like government surveillance of your data and things like that so like it's it would be cool if they just like endlessly continue this and they're still like having an updated conversation about what you know oh, what what's man, going on online and, yeah and then we can just like live with these characters for years i know i'm like totally changing my tune about second seasons which i normally hate but, like, <laughs> this is such a different yeah, story really for signals second season so i am yeah <laughs> it's not unprecedented there's always an exception and and this uh, it would especially work well with this drama because think about all the private romantic arcs they all had like conclusions but not really yeah. they, they they left the they left the arcs in a place of in progress right. you know right. like you know that developments will continue to happen there was no happily ever after placard handed to anyone each of these relationships are, are a work in progress and i love that and also the main friendship between the three women you can see that this will also continue to evolve yes because i don't think tami and gagyong's um relationship was was sorted they had, they, it has changed fundamentally from the beginning of the drama to the ending the the near the closeness that tami and gagyong had in the 10 years when the initial period of the 10 years when they worked together before the drama starts they might never attain that again yeah. they have been through too much Gagyong has betrayed Tammy in 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 really rough ways but so there there is an entire drama there that 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 can still be plumbed but then you have um Chaeyeon and Gagyong's arc where which I found really satisfying very rarely did Chaeyeon ever speak up against Gagyong and it was almost always exclusively in defense of Tammy which is where your you know love triangle thing comes in so well they it's it's they they used every trope in the market yeah like <laughs> like i was saying like this is <laughs> like a love triangle thing. between the three women and um someone was saying on on drama beans that like it's the only way you can have a have a, a happy ending with a love triangle is like if it's a if it's a friendship and i love that and it's so true <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is true but it, i i loved it and it's you said it um i don't know if you wrote it somewhere or you said it in the uh, last yak uh, anisa 
but that Tammy and um, Chayon, their relationship starts with a meet cute and it goes through all the beats of traditional romance. Yes. Like they bicker, they become friends, you know, their relationship intensifies. So all and of now that we have stuff. like the drunken piggybacking and taking the other person home to their and like sleeping in the same bed and all those. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, oh my God, which reminds me that moment when Chayon said Onni to Tammy. I think I had butterflies in my stomach. I was like, oh my God, that is so cute. She was so cute. Was so- oh my gosh. Idai is the, the MVP of this drama. Like, hands oh down. Oh my God. What is this woman? I find people crying the most annoying thing on earth. But Chayon crying? Man, this woman is... I don't know, a feet and a half taller than me, but I wanted to wrap her in something and pet her. It's just, how does she do it? I don't understand, like, how we didn't notice all these years how completely adorable she is. Like, she's so cute. She's super cute. Because she always got the classy, sophisticated act, right? Think about secret love of... um, I hear your voice. Yeah, yeah. The like the highly competent, very um, sort of like sharp and intelligent and like very no nonsense <laughs> type of roles. But yeah, because those were the roles offered to the modelesque right, women right. of you know in the part of the past decade. But I'm so happy we are in this decade now. <laughs> I love how many conventions this drama breaks without even like pointing to them or because you know like a lot of times we have meta shows that are like oh here's this rom-com trope that everyone finds slightly problematic. Here's how we're going to yeah, subvert it. Yeah, the wrist grab. Yeah, aren't we so smart? Like like, like the girl ca- uh, gets ca- catches the guy by the wrist or pushes him against the wall or like catches him when he's falling <laughs> and they have that whole, you know, like the that, that, that I don't know what you call that thing where, where the, the, the girl is like in his <laughs> arms and they're like... Okay, never mind. Moving Are you on. talking about like Kabedon? <laughs> Isn't that what it's called in Japanese? Show? I, I don't know what it's called what in Japanese. Like they like push the girl against the wall with his arms next to her. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one where, where, where the girl is tripping <laughs> and the guy catches oh, the, yeah. the girl and the girl is like... You know, like slanted halfway, and and he's kind of holding her oh, in that whole yeah. dance pose. Right? Yeah, there are so many. So just, there are so many. But but you know they're how endless. like especially I think the Hong sisters do this a lot, where they're like being meta, and it's really enjoyable because like we all know, obviously, like we all really know those tropes, and uh, we've seen them countless times, and so there's like yeah. this kind of winking, nodding, like very pointed, like oh, this is what we're doing. But in this drama, like I think it's almost. You can't even call it meta because it's upending and subverting them so completely that it's like a whole new thing. So, you know, there's those scenes where Tammy is telling um, uh, Pakmogon, like, why is your shirt so revealing? Like, why are you dressing so ah! revealingly? She's like, what are you doing? Like, don't walk around like this. It's great. <laughs> and it's just like, but it's just like so baked into the drama. Like everything that is different is so baked in they're not like winking at you and being like oh look we did this isn't this great no Aren't we smart yeah i know what you mean so i just love that and she's actually she's actually offended that he's distracting her because his shirt is unbuttoned and it's, <laughs> it's not even like that she she is like doing what the guy traditionally does which is like sort of be possessive and jealous she's like don't tempt me i have to work <laughs> so it's adorable instead yeah. yeah, yeah. There are so many moments that are just that you are just need, like, really great. You guys need three hours like to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
Ah, we do, we do, we do, we do. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, but uh, finally, in the final episode, we figured out, or they told us why the drama is titled "Search WWW," and hey, it was worth the wait. It made sense. I liked it. Yeah, actually, yeah. despite our complaints, um, it actually it actually made sense. Before we move on from the the way that the friendship is like a love triangle, though, I just want to point out one other thing, which I thought was really great, is that because all of those traditional beats of a sixteen episode romance were taken by the friendship between Tami mm. and and Hyun, it allowed mm. the romances to just like completely take their own path. And not yeah. have to be tied to that, like, oh, in episode 8, there's going to be a kiss. In episode uh, 12, they're going to get together. In 14, they're going to break up because of some terrible misunderstanding. Like, there's just nothing. Like, there's nothing. They don't have to follow that timeline. They don't have to follow, like, weird made-up conflict. Like, it just organically happens the way that it should. And I just loved that. Yeah. Also, Jinu and Gagyang are, like, my OTP. I, I oh. want them to be in love. I want them to be oh. together. I want a second season that's, like, just about them. I love yeah. this actor that plays him. I have never seen him before, but he's, like... He I has, like, eyes that speak. I've seen him in other stuff. Um, you have? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. His face looks very familiar. But, so, like, he's getting his own lead drama. I'm watching it. I don't care what it's about. It's just been announced that he's going to be the lead of his own oh, drama. Oh, Mr. Sunshine, and, like, that's where. Oh, that's where also he, he was. Also, he was in Judge vs. Yeah, Judge. And that. I watched a couple of episodes of that. Anyway, him and um, EJ Wook are my discoveries of, like, new actors from this show. I like both of them so much. Oh, you know where I know him from? It isn't from those. It's from Descendants of the Sun. That's why his face looks so familiar. He was in a minor oh, role in that? that, but his I remember no, his face. Oh, I do not remember him from that at all. Anything else that we want to say about this um, before we wrap uh, up? There is so much, but everything involves a spoiler. So, oh, uh, I want to give a shout out to the actor playing Brian. Yes, I've loved him since he was the grumpy chef in uh, My Name is Kim Samsoon. He's so great. He's great he is pretty great. Aside from the love interests, he was the most prominent uh, male character here. And I really love how supportive he was of our protagonists, but also how he had an independent arc. Like, like um, he's, he's someone who's, who likes progressive ideas, innovative ideas, and he wants to be on the right path. He is ethical, but he is not uh, completely free of, um, you know, uh, the compromises that you make when you're running a business. But he is self-aware enough Mm. to recognize that whereas he might have been compromised because of certain reasons, there are other people who have a better moral stance than him and he should support them. Also that sometimes you need people who who, who may have compromised in certain ways but you still need them in positions of power so long as they have they are capable of introspecting, which Brian's character was. So I, I found him really interesting. And also the actor is just generally a really nice guy. Yeah, um, I like him as a, as a person as well. Yeah, he's always good in, in every role. But I also, like you said, I really liked how he played the CEO who's like actually unusually and surprisingly lacking in ego, where you see like the Unicon uh, leadership, they're so 
aggressive and like they are all it's all about like who's on top and who's calling the shots and who's making the decisions that it's reflected in the very hierarchical top-down structure of the company and then you have Aro, and that's like something that Tommy had to get used to when she first came there where he's just like yeah do your own thing and and just show it to me like he's not obsessed with always telling everybody what to do and it's much more like innovative collaborative work culture and I just thought that was a great thing to see um and maybe something for people to emulate <laughs> in in particular hierarchical work cultures that might need some yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I agree. There was that one point when Brian was making a comeback, like something had happened, and then he was making a comeback. And it was such a, a, a music video moment. <laughs> like there were a lot of music video moments great. throughout this drama but that one was like one of those mic drop music video moments where the camera angles were swinging wildly and you were like it just it, 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 they were practically backlit and they were doing the slow mo walk and Brian was like all uh, you know he, he was lapping up the spotlight he, he looked so cool <laughs> you know what it is about I, you mentioned last month that like this yeah. is also labeled as a fantasy and that the fantasy is that all these women are in power but I also noticed that there's a little tiny bit of magical realism so mm-hmm. sometimes when things happen there's like some stuff happening in there that like wouldn't actually happen in real life but is sort of expressing the emotions of the characters so like in a lot of the scenes with Tammy and Morgan like they'll be like confetti falling uh. even though like where did that confetti come from like where's the wind that's blowing that confetti like we don't know or you know like the the lens flares that we were mocking but like it does have those elements or like there's that one scene which i won't spoil but where like all of the cell phones start uh, going off in unison yeah. so like so, so like that's not actually really happening right, right? but the, but the drama is kind of expressing it and it gives it like an extra bit of like punch and i think the music video moments are kind of also part of that like a little bit of an extra it's just like a, a like a directorial flourish that's giving you more. I agree. More By the end of it, characters. I was completely happy with all the weird cinematographic choices that were being made. I was just, yeah, okay, fine. This is part of this drama, and I had accepted it. I'd given into it, and I was, yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, me too. By the second half, I was like just rolling with it and enjoying it. I have not a single negative thing to say about this drama, Anisa. How how did that happen? Not one thing. I don't either. And I feel like I'm the most cynical of the three of us. I have nothing bad to say. You are, but I think I get like the angriest about stuff. Just generally. Perhaps. Oh, uh, Maybe, one other yeah. actor that we should definitely talk about is uh, Ye Su Chung, who played the evil mother-in-law. Oh my God, she was so good. She was so evil and yet so good at it. I, I, have, I have not enjoyed... Um, an evil mother-in-law being brought down by, uh, you know, her daughter-in-law so much as when Gagyong kind of like went like this close to her face and was like, this is the shape of my desire. It was just, uh, oh my God. <laughs> All of their scenes had so much tension and like, they had this perfect like antagonistic chemistry between the two of them. And it was so layered and it was so full of like the history of the 10 years that they've spent like hating I, each other. I, it was, it was so good. You could not at every moment between when, whenever they had these scenes between the two of them, you could understand that Gagyong's marriage was not about Jinu, her husband. It was about her and the mother-in-law. So basically she had married into the family more than she had married 
Jinu, mm-hmm. and that was clear from each and every one of the interactions that she and the mother-in-law had a closer quote unquote relationship than she had with her husband because after all every uh living moment throughout those 10 years it was her mother-in-law who was dictating what she should do and she was mm-hmm. fighting her silent battle against her that was the person that she had most involvement with not and not her husband so and this kind of story can only be told in in an asian drama i think because you don't have this kind of a structure in other parts of the world but it's yeah. i i found it so refreshing that they took that they deliberately did that that every time there was an interaction between gagyong and her mother in law it wasn't there was no formality i mean there was a formality in how they addressed each other but there was there was no distance it was almost as if as if they were in the relationship except it was not like a romantic relationship it was a relationship it's just a relationship you know it's not a hyphenated that i'm married to him and therefore i have a relationship with you but it's it's a direct right. relationship that was the primary yeah it was the primary relationship in her marriage whereas with her husband there was that tension existed because of the distance yeah. that and like in there in in her relationship with her husband it was so much like guilt and history and silence and you know it was very complicated and like he clearly loves her but then there's so much unspoken that uh i, I mean there are so many scenes and so much dialogue but i won't i won't because then i'll just no, be talking I about know, them forever but everything about their relationship just had me dying every uh, every moment i like couldn't breathe when they were on screen together i agree i i've just wow man what a drama this is a like, hands on my favorite right now Um I don't I don't know what can possibly top it. I know we just said that I was a cynical one but like can you just enjoy this without thinking about but it? You ended on Isa and I'm depressed. Uh you know this reminds me of that conversation that a bunch of us were having on Twitter um like maybe last week when they announced that um Jaejung is going to be playing the male lead of the Jane the Virgin Korean remake and everybody was like, "Oh, I don't think that Korean drama can do this very well." I would have thought that too except now I've seen search www and um it's evolving. I mean come on like yeah. Korean dramas are evolving. I think that they are getting to a place where they could do something like Jane the Virgin and could include the satire and the social commentary and I I mean I I I know that the only thing is that they wouldn't probably include I mean I don't see them ever casting a non-Korean heroine like a non-ethnically Korean heroine so they wouldn't include like the commentary that has on immigration and race which would be sad because i think that's a really important part of jane the virgin but anyway yeah. i'm just saying i think i think i think they have more ways to grow and more interesting places to go so true i guess i'm i'm the hopeful <laughs> optimistic one today <laughs> and you're the one who's like this is never going to happen again uh, well you know i guess i'll keep rewatching this until something else comes along. I feel like I would enjoy rewatching this actually. Like the the dialogue is so in- it's like yeah, so tasty. Exactly. Like I feel like I could rewatch this. Okay, so before we move on to the jokes, I have one non-Korean recommendation and I was really surprised by this one. So it's a Chinese drama and it's called Unrequited Love. It's a 2019 drama and it's um it's a youth drama like college based coming of your age type thing except that 
Okay, let me back up a bit. You guys uh, know the premise of first, uh, sorry, playful kiss, right? Mm-hmm. Where the uh, dim girl falls in love with a brilliant boy and has a crush on him, and he doesn't care about her, but yeah, eventually like, he falls in love with her and stuff. Yeah, many but versions, he, many many, many versions, so many versions based on a manga. Yeah. So and and the the trope of the dim girl and the genius boy and how she loves him and eventually he comes to love her. um that's been played out so many times and another uh, really good chinese drama where um that played out was a love so beautiful where uh, this girl who's really creative and funny and just you know sort of smart but not in the traditional sense um and she's she she has such good friends and she's just generally a really great person falls in love with this boy who's cold and quiet and won't respond to any of her overtures and all of that stuff so that's that's what i'm used to with this trope with with the girl having the crush on the guy in school thing and then you have unrequited love where the entire story is about how this girl has and she is really smart she's smart but she's an introvert she's quiet she just focuses on her own work and that that was her in school nobody really noticed her except for when her name was on the you know list of you know uh, the people who came first and all of that um the list that would go up it was the only time anybody would know her name and she has a massive crush on this other boy this boy who is outgoing he's also really smart really good at his studies um he's athletic he's popular with his friends he has the charmed life he's also the son of you know uh, uh, these this rich couple so he's privileged and she isn't she is from this you know she a poor home and her mother is obsessed about this court case because she wants justice for her family and she doesn't have friends so it's her unrequited love for him and the drama opens when these two are in the same college in the second year and the drama opens where she is thinking to herself that a year has passed and i have and i have never crossed path with him and she seems to prefer it then something happens and he suddenly notices her and when they talk they hit it off immediately i um, and he starts noticing her more and more and he asks her out and he just you know like they they start having the beats of a normal relationship when you ask someone out and start dating them but her secret is that she's had an intense crush on him for almost a decade and that ah. she would write about him in her diary and at some point that diary went missing and it makes a comeback but the it this oh, yeah, this drama you know but that is not that is not the main yeah. it is terrifying because it's looming uh, out there but that is not the that is not the main thing the the brilliance of this drama is that it's about the you can love a person but if they never notice you then there is a resentment that might be built up because every day of them ignoring you is a rejection mm. and it's and the funny thing is that if he had known her in in school if he had noticed her they would have hit off immediately and they had a peculiar connection in school as well indirectly they had been communicating he never knew it was her and she never told him that it was her So it's it's not even his fault that you know she he didn't notice her she was just this quiet girl that nobody noticed 
and and the things that made her brilliant that made her stand out she would not declare those things she would not so and in college she's different she's more mature she doesn't draw attention to herself but i she is really witty by the way anytime something happens she she has this she has this way of saying things with this completely straight face and everybody takes they kind of like pause for a minute trying to figure out if she's being sarcastic or if she's saying that for real and then they're like ah, ha, 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 ha. oh and it's <laughs> it's awesome she is awesome i love her character so much and also eventually when he does find out about everything it's also dealt with really well and the funny thing about this you know uh, saya how we were discussing last month that chinese dramas take forever to get to the point Dana, just so yeah, that this, this was 40 episodes long do not tell me it does not take forever it doesn't matter <laughs> it, it doesn't, doesn't. I, i that is the funny thing for once and also it might be 40 episodes long but the episodes are about 30 minutes so it's basically oh, 20 okay. episodes okay that's yeah, cool that's not bad <laughs> Yeah and also they they fly uh, they they fly by really fast and every something is always happening there there is no fluff and they have a cast of amazing secondary characters who all have their own relationships that they're in sometimes the relationship is doomed to fail because one partner loves the other whereas the other pas- partner is in the relationship for because of an obligation what i'm trying to say is that each of the relationships and all the friendships in the drama they are really interesting and each of them have have a have a subplot that you are invested in you want to see where where is this relationship going to go because they don't follow the usual cliched beats of a story so you you actually can't predict where the story is going you don't know how this relationship is going to conclude but by the end of the drama i I'm, i was genuinely happy with how every arc ended and that rarely happens So wow. The, so you, it's a completed uh, 2019 drama, right? Like yeah, it just it's, it's finished a completed one. I I heavily mm-hmm. recommend it. It's available on Netflix and it might sound like it 40 episodes so long. We just started. Just watch the first couple of episodes and see if this doesn't work for you. And it it will. There is no love at first sight um instantly falling for you type thing here. Relationships develop. and they develop by 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 people being friends first and it's just it's a good drama okay um i think the last time i felt so happy about a college based drama was probably my id's gangnam beauty so yeah hmm. nice all right so barama highly recommends so give us the tasty the tasty <laughs> jokes so i tried to pick some that were thematic to k dramas i think you will enjoy this <laughs> a cement mixer has collided with a prison van. Motorists are asked to look out for 16 hardened criminals. Oh! <laughs> Boy, I'm I like slow. that one. It's it's crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, okay. What do you call a priest that becomes a lawyer? Uh, um, Kim Jeok. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good answer but no. <laughs> Shall I tell you? It will save Barma um going through the ordeal of guessing. <laughs> a father-in-law. Oh. <laughs> That is very K-drama. This is so K-drama. Everything about it. 
Okay, so this one is for you guys and your superhero liking people things. So, my girlfriend told me she was leaving me because I keep pretending to be a Transformer. I said, no, wait, I can change. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> That's so sad. I agree. <laughs> Super lame. <laughs> <laughs> so this one also I think is very K-drama Perhaps I should have said this along with the priest one So I just found out my friend has been living the secret life of a priest It's his alter ego Oh, oh, oh right <laughs> That moment it takes before you get it <laughs> Yeah, let's just, let's just say that's our farewell to Angel's Last Mission Love Which we're not going to mention again on the podcast <laughs> You know, I couldn't even be bothered to finish it me neither. I just I was just like I'm bored and I don't care anymore. I, yeah, I started watching thrillers and then everything else was just like okay, no. But let me tell you one last one. Wow, there are so many. <laughs> I wanted to tell you my chemistry joke, <laughs> but I was afraid I'd get the wrong reaction. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> unsubscribe. Oh boy! I like how it always takes you that beat before you groan. It does. Hey, if I was ever arrogant about anything, your jokes give me a real dose of humility. <laughs> Listeners, please don't leave. I promise that we won't increase the jokes by two every episode. The the last two, especially for our um our listener and uh, dear patron, Sarsha uh, Ten. <laughs> Yes. What have you done, Shasha? I bet you're regretting it now. 